Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can find us on social media or you can support our community. You can find more details about our community at workerbeing.com slash community. So today we're going to be talking about PSYOP. It's a special episode. We're going to be talking about PSYOP, which is the conference we go to every year, stands for Society of Industrial Organizational Psychology. And we just wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about some key takeaways from the conference, some things that we're seeing trend-wise. Um, and realistically, the type of research that's being presented here is the type of research we'll be pulling into the podcast. So it's very, very relevant to everything we typically talk about. And we're excited to share our experience. Yes, I'm very excited to talk through the learnings that we had. And uh, just as I'm, I imagine that some people who are listening might be familiar with PSYOP, but it's a conference that spans three days um, with a day on the front for some pre-conference workshops. Um, and so there's lots of sessions going on. There are several thousand people in attendance. And um, you can go see sessions on a whole variety of topics related to organizational behavior, related to organizational systems like selection, recruitment, training, et cetera. Um, so, and it's a mixture of academics and practitioners. So part of why we really love it is because it's also representative of the type of partnership that we have. But also, um, crazily enough, this was my 16th PSYOP this year. So we've also been going for quite a bit of time and uh, have seen a lot of changes in what PSYOP looks like now versus what it did when we first started going. Wow. 16th. Okay. So have I you know. skipped any or no? I don't think I have. Okay. So then that means 15 for me. Weird. That is wild. I wish I had I know. known it was like a big anniversary for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not like I would do anything differently, but yeah. you and PSYOP could have gone out to a nice dinner together. <laughs> Celebrate 15 years together. <laughs> but it is oh, crazy. Man. That is that. I can't believe that. Um, but it has changed a lot. It's gotten a lot bigger. Um, but I also think the other thing that's changed is us. Like going to the conference now is just a very different experience from when you're a student. Like you come in one with like more confidence about everything, but also, uh, you know, a lot more people you're able to kind of determine what sessions are really going to be meaningful to you in a better way than, you know, I could have like 10, 15 years ago. Um, yes. it's just a very different experience. And there's also the like network learning piece that I don't think I mastered for a while in my career. It's like, there was a time where it's like, first you're meeting all the other students and it's more about fun. Then I feel like you start moving into like job marketing networking where you're just trying to like get to know people at companies that you're hoping to get to work at. And now it's more like really networking with people that just have similar interests, kind of getting to know what they're doing and like learning from people in that way versus the more like student-y approach, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, when, when we first started going, I think it's just so overwhelming with the number of things to see. And you really don't know what direction your career is going to take. When I was talking to students about their experience and how to structure, they're like, I don't know what to go to. I'm interested in everything. And I remember feeling that way too. Like I'm interested in selection. I'm interested in training. I'm interested in DEI. I'm interested in work family. I'm like over time, 
you're, you become like, nah, I'm not interested in that. You know, like you, you <laughs> learn what you're interested in and not interested in. And that helps you to hone, um, what you actually attend. And then also you just make so many friends and you have so many other collaborators, colleagues, um, that you start to use it more like you're saying as an opportunity to see people you don't get to see all year, but who you might work with on things over the course of the year or people you've worked with in the past who you want to reconnect with. But in the beginning, you're just kind of like new, trying to figure it all out. Um, so yeah, it's a completely different experience uh, going now than it was before. Um, and also some new topics, I think, that have gained some popularity, which I know you highlighted in your um, blog post, but I think that that's been not just how we've changed and grown and how our conference experience has changed and our role in the field, but also what we're seeing happening in the field around us. Yeah, it was really interesting to see how many sessions there were around wellness specifically. And I actually just searched the program just out of curiosity. Like there's a a way to search the program that has a drop down of different content areas. And all I did was just click on like occupational health and like psychological safety. It was like this kind of bigger bucket that had some wellness ish topics, but that didn't encompass other wellness topics like work life balance. Um, I don't know what the other ones are, but they had other topic areas that are definitely wellness related. Just that one category I selected had over a hundred sessions. I was like, whoa, that is wild. So like, I would guess that there's even more that are really directly connected to, to wellness topics um, than what I just did as a quick search to see what it looked like. So yeah, it's, it's definitely really popular now more so I would say than when we first started um, in the field. And I think, you know, as we know in our field in general, like a lot of the topics that we uh, study as a field do end up impacting employee well-being because the whole purpose of the field is to really understand how people behave in the workplace to help make better work environments where, you know, employees can be more productive and luckily productive employees are also happier employees. So then that's always an outcome that has, has always been cared about to some degree because of that connection between productivity and well-being. Um, but now it's more centrally focused. It's like, that is an outcome of interest, not just a happy circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because, you know, it really wasn't the case, like you were saying, it really wasn't the case that we saw as much of this because I think it was more taboo. Even when we started graduate school, people weren't really as cognizant of calling out at work that people were feeling stressed. Like it felt like researchers and maybe consultants that were in this space were, were drawing attention to that, but it wasn't as normative to recognize that people were struggling with wellness or especially like mental health related issues. Um, work-life balance was part of the narrative, but it definitely wasn't something that companies were talking about as much. And so I think what we're seeing is like a normalization that's occurred over time that people are people. They have things that stress them out. They have lives outside of work. And that to the extent that we can, we should create work environments that support people being whole people. And although companies are still struggling with how to do that, which I think um, is part of why we're excited about our research that's uh, coming out. But I think, you know, the idea that it's important has become less debated and more normal across the board. Yeah, I completely agree. It's very, uh, it has changed. It has shifted. I think there was, you know, when we first started, there were definitely discussions around some of these topic areas and like 
the concept of like psychological safety had been around for a while already. It wasn't like brand, brand new, right? I can't remember the year, but we were pat we came in past that being a concept. Um yeah. but but yeah, like the the normalization of this topic and the fact that these types of topics are getting media attention plus organizational attention, I think is different. So I think researchers were touching on this. But it wasn't as popular outside of that. And then the research was, it was also not like as big of a research topic as it is today. So that was really cool to see. Um, A lot of really good discussions and like such a variety of topics on wellness. So people were talking about, like I mentioned, work-life balance, um, things like that. But they were also talking about like, you know, what does a wellness program look like? How do you measure initiatives that might be working well, might not be working well? Um, Some debate around you know, where should we be focusing our energy in terms of how to solve wellness challenges? There were topics around mental health and like how companies can support employees' um, mental health, just like they do with physical health, right? We get health insurance and things like that at work. So there were a lot of topics around like mental health specifically and like training people within companies to almost be like, a, I don't want to, I don't know what the word would be, but like, like someone to catch if there's like signs that someone's really, really in a bad place mentally to like help give them the resources they need Mm -hmm. to like bring them to them. Right. So like that's less about the environment, but more about like true um, mental illness, if you will. So there's, Mm -hmm. there, there are, there were a lot of things that just kind of the, the, the spectrum of topics, I guess is what I'm trying to say was super fascinating. And I felt like, um, it really solidifies the importance of the kind of work that we're doing. So that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think central to that and something you called out in the post was that we saw a lot of stuff there about leaders and the importance of leaders impacting well-being, like you were just mentioning, not these like, um, you know, kind of one-off ways of dealing with this, but sort of cultivating from the top down these environments that address um, these sorts of issues, and obviously we're big proponents of um, changing things from the root, uh, but it's been interesting to see how many more people are thinking about, no, it's not really the responsibility of employees to fix this for themselves, or like, oh, you're out of balance for your work life, well, like, get better at finding balance, but that people are starting to think about whether or not people are experiencing wellness at work as a systemic issue at, that can stem from leadership as opposed to thinking about it as something that's stemming from individuals. Exactly. Yeah, that was really interesting. And honestly, um, the the kind of research findings that are coming out around leaders and then obviously our own work. So I was on a panel where we were talking about um, wellness fads and like how do we make sure we're not just following fads in organizations to help improve wellness, which has been really common and something that we've written about before. Um, you know, it's like today the cool thing is a Fitbit tomorrow. The cool thing is, you know, headspace, whatever. Um, and then companies just kind of latching on to these things and providing them to employees as a way to like be, you know, cutting edge and wellness, but how are those things actually performing and what are we seeing in terms of output and outcomes from these types of interventions? And it's not that strong. And so in the panel that I was in, I got to talk about some of what we're doing, um, 
which we haven't shared a ton of yet with all of mm-hmm. you. But what we do, what I can say is that we know that leadership is so important and we've really been able to kind of figure out what are the specific behaviors that leaders need to exhibit to create the right environment so that employees can be healthy and well. And it's not about spending money on your, uh, Fitbit challenges as a company, but really about creating that right environment where if someone wants to have a Fitbit and run around, they can do that, but they're not uh, forced to do that. And they're really more just coming to work in a better state with less stress. Um, So it was a really good discussion. It was really interesting to see people's responses and, um, you know, asking a lot of questions about the framework that we're building. So that was really cool. And I think really energizing to see that some of the work that we're doing, I think, is really answering a need that people in our field are seeing. And obviously, we're also seeing outside of the field. So hopefully, it'll continue to get traction. And we'll be sharing more and more bits of this um, as we are able to um, here and elsewhere as well. Yeah, because something we didn't see which I think we're going to offer, which is cool because it's always good to see that people care about the topic that you're studying, but that they haven't like directly addressed it themselves is that we provide a framework with actions and behaviors that can help people to execute on that. But the idea that people care about the question is really encouraging um, for us to be able to say like, Hey, we think we have the answer. Um, So uh, that was really cool because I haven't seen a lot of people asking that question. And I know last year when we went, we were kind of frustrated about some of the wellness sessions we went to that were still so individually focused. And it seems like there's been more of a shift in the conversation towards thinking about these more systemic solutions. But I didn't see anything that's specifically doing what we're trying to do, which is, I think, great because then we have something useful to offer. Exactly. Completely agree. And I know (laughs) for all of you listening, you're like, great. So now we just know that you were awesome. And well, we think we're awesome. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) we were. (laughs) But I do think that uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely encouraging. And I like seeing the mind shift um, change around around this topic. And, you know, I do think there's still people out there that are really focused on individual based results. And I think there's a place for it to some degree. But, um, but it is something that is that is changing and the discussion is changing and we're approaching things a little differently. So that's that was really cool. There were also a lot of other um, topic areas like in this space that I thought were really interesting. So I, one of the things I mentioned in the blog was around the inclusion measurement. And that just felt really relevant for a number of reasons because I think, you know, measuring these things is important in the workplace and... I know that a lot of companies use things like inclusion indices and just really asking questions directly about how whether or not people feel included. And the fact that there's researchers and practitioners alike that are struggling with whether or not that's the right way to measure things um, was fascinating. And also, I think it highlights um, a challenge in the wellness space, like more broadly beyond um, inclusion, that we're not measuring these things that well. And so, you know, we might be able to measure an organization that someone's experiencing some level of burnout, but I wonder how that is hindered in a similar way as the inclusion metric. So now I'm getting down like a really nerdy path, but when it comes to the way inclusion is being measured, you know, if you're asking people directly, like, are, do you feel included? People tend to respond like fairly positively is what we're finding, yeah. um, or what others are finding. 
And so that's great. But like, are we actually understanding if they're truly included? And I wonder if something similar is happening with burnout where you ask someone, are you feeling burnt out? And people, some people might, I, I can't, I can't tell which way it would go. Are people over reporting burnout because there's, they all have been hearing the term a lot and thinking, Oh yeah, like I'm tired. Therefore I'm burnt out. Or are people seeing burnout as really extreme and they're just like, Oh, I'm not quite there yet. Even though they might actually be on the cusp of it. I don't know which mm-hmm. way it would go, but I bet there's something going on there too. If we think about measurement of burnout as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of trending towards trying to be able to finally define well from a behavioral and measurement standpoint, things around wellness and things around inclusion. Um, And I think that that's super interesting because what it indicates to me is that we've been talking about some of these concepts in a very like abstract way or we have a lot of differing definitions for what we think they mean, but we haven't agreed upon one. And people are sort of pushing to have a definition that actually reflects not just what a concept is, but what people can do or what people are doing to actually make it happen or what people are experiencing that are indicators of that thing. Um, So I think we're seeing that in multiple arenas and it's really nice to see actually because the most frustrating thing I think um, that we've seen with companies and that um, we've also seen with students in our teaching is like, you know, people are on board, they're motivated to want to want to promote wellness or decrease burnout, or they want to, um, you know, increase inclusion in their organizations, but it's really hard to know what to do. And so if you look to like, okay, well, one of the ways we can figure out what to do is to see, well, how is it measured? But if it's not being measured in a way that we really understand the behaviors that are leading to it, or it's not being measured in a way that's like behavioral, like we can see that you're being inclusive because you're doing these things, for example, then it's really hard to know how to tell people to be this stuff. Like, how do you create wellness? How do you create inclusion? There are concepts that we kind of understand what they mean from a very, like, high level, but the granularity, I think, is what people are pushing for more of because you can't really do as much to drive results with these really, like, lofty kind of concepts. Exactly. Actually, that's really interesting the way you worded that because it made me think about um, hope as a concept, which we've talked about here before, and how hope is measured so differently than the way we just generally define it. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is how can you impact something like hope if you can't, you know, measure it, if it's not something that you can change in any real way, right? So there that measurement does make a big difference because then you can now study it in a much con- much clearer, more concrete way. And that's something that we need to get better at um, in the wellness space in general. Because right now when people talk about wellness in the field, it can mean so many different things. It can mean so many different concepts like job satisfaction could be wellness, but so could um, your blood pressure readings, right? Like there's so many yep. things and we're not uh, defining it in the best way we can. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of some movement and growth there. Yeah, me too. And I think in sort of a vein that we started off in, in addition to people wanting to get more concrete about concepts that we've talked about for a while, but don't necessarily have clear definitions or behaviors of, we're also seeing whole new things being introduced into 
this space that really we haven't seen a lot of conversation at all about. So, um, you know, wellness, inclusion, these are things that people have talked about for the last decade or so to some extent, and it's gotten more popular. People are more interested. And now it's like to the phase where people are really trying to track down, like, how do we measure this? But there are other areas that people are becoming um, interested in sort of fresh uh, or more recently within the last couple of years. One of those and of interest to us and hopefully to people out there too, is around women's health, um, which I know you also wrote about things like menstruation, parenthood, infertility, menopause. These are things that um, are really newer topics that people care about how they impact the workplace that we haven't seen a lot about. Definitely, I don't remember ever seeing anything about any of that when we were graduate students at all. Um, so that's no kind way. of an interesting trend as well. Yeah, there is definitely nothing on this um, back then. And this time there were two like big main stage, like what we call like night sessions, which are these kind of like speed sessions with like a lot of content. Um, but there are ge generally like really big sessions and there were two of them around these topics. Like one was really around kind of, um, I would say the, you know, if we were to split <laughs> the population of women and people with uteruses and all that into two, like the younger group that are more in child rearing age, if you will. So there was a lot of discussion around, um, men uh, menstruation, fertility, parenthood, and then on the other side, there was another session that was really more about the menopause side of things. So there was just like two full sessions with people talking about research in this space, the experience of folks in the workplace that are going through these things and how that might um, impact their, you know, behavior at work, might impact their productivity, might impact their wellness, might impact, you know, their career trajectory. Like there's so many things or even just the way their leaders perceive them. Like there was just so many things that kind of come into play here that we haven't studied. And now I think really what it comes down to is our field is, you know, not super diverse yet, but getting more diverse. Yeah. And there's definitely more voices of people that are experiencing these physical um, experiences that are now interested in studying this and bringing this to light. Right. So I think the fact that, I mean, it's probably another uh, big reminder to people in the field or in all these different fields of study that the more diverse voices you have in the room, uh, the more interesting the research is going to be and the more relevant it's going to be to different populations of people. And so now that there's a lot of people in the field that, you know, have gone through infertility um, treatments or have menstruated, right? They're yeah. now uh, studying these things that people weren't studying before. So the more diverse the field, the better we can really understand how all people are experiencing the work workplace and how we can best support everyone. So that was so encouraging and so cool to see. The one thing that was very sad though, was I went to one of those sessions and there were maybe two men in the room and it was probably yeah. a few hundred people in there. So that was really discouraging, but we're, there's some good good news, but maybe not all good news. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, that's usually the case for so many different things. Like diversity sessions have such a more diverse attendee population. Um, it's like you, you can't get the people in the room that really need to be in the room because they self-select out. Um, but hopefully what ends up happening is there's like inevitable shifts that occur in the field 
that it's sort of expected that people will be up to speed on these kinds of things and you won't be able to really ignore it even if you want to. So that's kind of the goal, I think, even though I agree it is very, it is very distressing when there's like barely any attendees and the people in attendance are maybe the people who already know a little bit more about these experiences than other people um, yeah. at the conference. Um, but yeah, I think that those are really heartening trends that I really also am glad about and, um, and hope to continue to see more research on this in the future because it is literally half of the working population that is impacted by these things. So it's kind of shocking that we haven't uh, paid attention to this or studied this in the past, but I'm glad that we're doing it now. Um, I think kind of to, to close things out here, we can just maybe mention that we did something really cool while we were there. Um, yes. We held an event on burnout um, at a, an amazing um, startup workspace called Venture Lean. And we presented some content around preventing burnout, facilitated a dialogue with uh, folks who are in the tech startup space. And it was awesome. And we had a great time. So that was a huge win for PSYOP. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Shout out to Sharon of Water Bear Planet, who we did interview way back in the day. I'll try to make sure to put that in the show notes. Um, she helped coordinate all of this with us. And then we also had one of our friends from grad school who obviously was attending PSYOP. She has a chocolate company. And so we ended our event with a chocolate tasting, which was also fantastic. So it was just like a really good event talking about like some serious topics around burnout, but in a very positive way with a really great group of people and, and ending on a very sugar high note. <laughs> yes, it was super awesome. I was so pumped about it. It was great. And yeah, um, I think that everybody really enjoyed the pairing of these sustainable chocolates with some messaging about how to lead more sustainably without having people burn out. And um, we hope to do more events like this moving forward at PSYOP and at other points in the year. So that was a really great um, indicator that these events for us uh, are really fun and uh, big success. And so everybody who's listening who might be interested, look out for more of those in the future. Yes, yes. Hopefully we'll be hosting more. And I think as we travel around for PSYOP, we should definitely, each of those new cities should get an event. So keep an eye out next year around this time. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to share our experience. We haven't done one of these in a while. So it was just kind of fun to talk about. Um, I think it was just a very, very positive experience for both of us in terms of the trends that we were seeing. So wanted to share a little bit of that and basically tell all of you that there's some great research that's going to be coming out that we'll be grabbing and putting into the show in the future. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Thanks, Katina, for chatting with me about PSYOP. Yes, thanks for uh, bringing this to life in the blog post. And if anyone's interested in attending PSYOP, we'll put the link in the show notes as well. Uh, next year, um, I believe it's in Chicago. So if anyone's in the area and thinks that this sounds like fun, you could also go. Yeah, that's a great point. We'll put in all those good links. Um, and if you need to contact us, you know how to find us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com or find us on social media. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer. 
and produced by Allie Johnson. Thank you.